I have three questions for you, football fans. Will the New York Giants get whoa, whoa, back? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hey, Emna, what's going on? I thought that, that tonight was hockey night. Wait, wait, hockey night? Yeah, today is all about hockey, wait, mister. Wait, wait, wait. So instead of talking about whether the Patriots will repeat as Super Bowl champions, you want to talk about the Blackhawks and them defending the Stanley Cup? Well, yeah, well, obviously. So... Less Carolina Panthers and more Florida Panthers? Exactly. Uh, Emma, Emma, Emma. You want a whole show dedicated to the sport of hockey. Best sport in the world. You know, I think you're on to something. We'll do it. Blackhawks, Panthers, all that and a whole lot more as we debut the neutral zone. You have skated into the neutral zone for the first time on a lot of sports talk. Welcome, everybody. You have skated into the neutral zone, our newest podcast dedicated to the sport of hockey, NHL, NWHL, CWHL, junior championships. If it's on the ice, we'll talk about it here on the neutral zone on a lot of sports talk. I am Adashina Koiki, and I am pleased to be joined by Emna Ashur, contributing reporter for NHL.com, or, well, you are French, so it's LNH.com. Emna, thank you so very much for, A, writing me, and making sure that this was a hockey show and not a football show, and then B, <laughs> being my partner. I thank you so very much. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you ready to talk hockey a little bit? Very ready. Is, is that, hold on. So you're, you've lived in Montreal. I know you're in Norway right now. That's a different story uh, for a different time. But uh, for those that aren't familiar with you, just tell me how much of a hockey fan you are. Uh, the biggest hockey fan there is. I mean, I'm born and raised in Montreal. I've started to like hockey maybe a little later than uh, most of the people when I was like 13 or 14. And since then I was hooked. And uh, for the past, uh, let's say, five or six years, I've been a hockey reporter professionally, <laughs> actually. And uh, and yeah, now I'm pleased to join uh, the a lot of sports talk uh, family. Oh, don't make me blush, Emma. Thank you so <laughs> very much. Who's your favorite team? You mean like when I was a fan or yeah. as a... <laughs> oh, you're not a fan anymore? Okay, no, well, I'm kidding. I still am a fan, but I have, uh, I have to be neutral, right? And, but yeah, I, I, obviously, being born and raised in Montreal, all you can hear about is about the Habs. So yeah, big Montreal Canadiens fan growing up. Uh, you know, um, all of our Boston audience just turned us off. You know that. Right? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, but I like, uh, yeah, I like to follow the whole league now. Like now that I'm more mature, and uh, I can't say that I hate teams like I used to. <laughs> so now I like everybody, and the all team, every team is a good team, and yeah. <laughs> so you're on the record saying that you're a Canadians fan, and you do not hate the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I can't say that anymore. It's not, I, can't, I can't say that wasn't the case when I was uh, younger. <laughs> but uh, but now, yeah, I don't even hate the Maple Leafs, which is a big thing for somebody living in Montreal. <laughs> ah, okay, you have love for all the teams in the National Hockey League. That's what yep. we love to hear. Uh, and we're going to start talking about at least one of the teams in the uh, National Hockey League. I guess with our first show, we should start with the team that is the holder of the Stanley Cup, that being the Chicago Blackhawks. And the biggest story in the NHL, 
is with the Chicago Blackhawks because of their amazing forward, Patrick Kane. He is now on a 26-game scoring streak as of right now, as of Monday's games. He's broken the American-born hockey player record for most points scored consecutively in consecutive games in the National Hockey League. He's broken the franchise record as well. He is more than half way to the NHL record for most consecutive games with at least a, a point, of course, that being Wayne Gretzky, that record, 51 consecutive games back in the 1983-84 season. I was actually reading something that was insane. During Wayne Gretzky's streak, 51 consecutive games, he scored 61 goals and had 92, I think, a sit of no, points. 92 points, 61 goals during that streak. That's not, yep. not the not the year. That streak alone. Okay. Yeah, that would be like pretty. That would be enough to like win him an Art Ross trophy. No, actually, you know what? Let me let me correct myself. Sixty-one goals, ninety-two assists. Assists, right? Yeah, during that streak, yep. that is a hundred and fifty-three points in fifty-one games that is insane. not too shabby not at not all so of course Patrick Kane is shooting for some of the records that are almost Joe DiMaggio like in terms of its greatness and longevity my apologies that's a baseball reference I know it's a <laughs> hockey show okay but of course that's one side of the coin with Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks the other side is everything uh, that occurred with Patrick Kane going into this 2015-2016 NHL season uh, a woman claiming that uh, she was sexually assaulted uh, by Patrick Kane in Erie County in Buffalo. Uh, it was just a dark cloud over the Blackhawks, over uh, the National Hockey League as well. And it really called into attention, once again, the um, abuse that women have taken and can continue to take from athletes. Now, we do have to say that no charges were ever filed against Patrick Kane. That uh, was official right at the very beginning of the National Hockey League season, but some of the details that were coming out uh, during the summer after the Blackhawks had won uh, the Stanley Cup were pretty sorted uh, as well. So there's that as well. It, it, it's You have everything that happened before the season with Patrick Kane and now what's happening during the season with Patrick Kane. It, it's such a dichotomy. Do you root for Patrick Kane? Do you root for more records? Do you root for him to do well? Or do you think more about everything that happened going into the season, during the offseason? It's almost tough to really get behind Patrick Kane without thinking about everything that happened during the offseason. What are your opinions on that? Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm really torn. Like, I mean, I've read a lot, like, during the past obviously weeks and months since the beginning of the season like it's been reported that like he's not into really nightlife anymore that he's grounded uh that more than ever his main focus is hockey which would explain this like really amazing streak he's on um but yeah i'm still torn like obviously like the charges have like never were never filed like you said but i just have like trouble processing the fact that this whole story was a lie like that not one element was true and that Kane has done absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, I really hope it's true. I hope that no woman was harmed and that Kane is, like, clean as a whistle. But the thing is, like, until we know for sure, and that's if we know, because probably, we'll probably never know what really happened, I think the only way to look at this is by saying, well, you know what, independently of, like, what happened or what didn't happen, 
as a hockey player, Patrick Kane is pretty darn good. So, I mean, the, the, the only way I get like out of this is by just thinking of Patrick Kane as a hockey player. Like, if I start thinking about Patrick Kane, the person, then I don't know. Because who am I at a judge, right? Because yeah. nothing has been proved. But And I don't know him personally, obviously. But yeah, for now, I'll just keep it as Patrick Kane is a hockey player for me. And I won't look further to that because... I don't know. I just have tr- trouble, like imagining that, like all this was a big lie. Because obviously, with like the 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 new elements that came out uh, about like the mom trying to, uh, you know, to falsify the documents or whatever, that that like started to be a little shady, you know. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, for a girl to like reach this point of claiming that she was sexually assaulted and saying that like how she was at his house and blah, like even if he didn't do anything, I don't know. You know how hockey player lives with their lives. Yeah. It's (laughs) sex, drugs and rock and roll. Right. Um, And you know, before you would hear that line, sex, drugs and rock and roll. And people would hear that. And it was um, almost celebrated. You had fun. You rocked out and you were hanging with the girls. It meant you were successful or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard to say that or hear that and really celebrate it now that you see so many of these uh, different incidents being told, you know, whether truthful or not or whether, you know, charges are filed or not. Um, here in the United States, uh, Jameis Winston, he is the uh, number one uh, draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the football team. Um, mm-hmm. He's doing very well, but while he was at Florida State, he also won uh, the Heisman Trophy, the trophy given to the best uh, college football player in America, but there was a uh, a woman claimed that she was sexually assaulted, raped uh, by Jameis Winston back in his room, and his roommate uh, was uh, someone that witnessed it, um, and I think a third uh, witness or roommate walked out uh, before uh, the incident uh, that the woman claimed uh, happened uh, as well, and it's almost as if, uh, at, at first, I would just say, hey, let the legal system run its course, and if nothing yeah. comes about from it, then who am I to think about it more often, you know, more. But th- these incidents are coming so fast and so furious to the point where you and I would think, how many more of these are happening that we don't know uh, exactly. in the national I'm sh- And I'm sure a lot of it, like, because, I don't know, I feel like the... I don't, I don't want to get in trouble with this, but no, I feel like the the NHL is like the ch- like the best league to like shut down stuff that happens off the ice. I mean, of course, in the past year, <laughs> like it's a kind of a coincidence, but in the past year we had like all the turmoil that the that uh, happened in uh, with the Los Angeles Kings with yeah. Mike Richards with Slava Voinov with you know, you know Jared Stoll, yeah, yeah, Jared Stoll. But I mean. In the cases of like violence against women or like sexual harassment or whatever, like I heard a lot of stuff from you know former like from colleagues from people who like were like reporting were like following the beat of uh, one team like back then when and that incident did happen, but that like that the players the player was always like cleared. Uh, and that the NHL didn't do anything about it. Is it true? Is it not? Like, is it only rumors? And who am I to tell? But still, I I feel like, you know, the NFL, even when we, even if we can say that 
they're a little slow on taking action. Very. Uh, <laughs> you know? Very. At least, to, like, the, the story went out to the public. Yes. You know? And, but, like, I feel like in the NHL, it's more secret. And it's more, like, is taboo a word in English? Uh, very, uh, it, it is. It is ta- yes, it is a word in English. Very much a word. Very you know? much a word. So, so, yeah. So, that's what I think about the, the league right now. But, hey, like I said, are we going to know for sure? Like, probably right now, it's only... The girl, like that girl who knows what really happened and Patrick Kane. So is it going to come through one day? I don't know. So until then, it's, hey, Patrick Kane has this historic streak and we'll see how far uh, he takes it. And uh, Mm -hmm. I guess celebrate the greatness of the streak. Um, And we know that Patrick Kane, as great as a of a player he is has had run-ins with the law before this yeah. okay not that he officially had a run-in with the law no charges were filed um but um he has uh, had in it's somewhat of a reputation of being a hothead off the ice uh mm-hmm. as well so but it is an amazing streak i mentioned 26 games that he has scored at least a point. That is the longest streak in the National Hockey League since 1992-93 when the flying Finn, Matt Sundin, had a 30-point streak for the Quebec wow. Nordiques. All right, speaking of Oof, hockey in Quebec. That was a long Quebec. time ago. <laughs> so that was before you were a fan of hockey. Before okay. I was, yeah, way before. <laughs> 92 93. So Matt Sundin, Owen Nolan, uh, uh, I think uh, Michelle Goulet was on the um, uh, Quebec Nordiques back in 1992 93. So, no, Quebec, Joe Sackick. Joe you know? Sackick, absolutely. How did I forget Joe Sackick of all people? Okay, yeah. <laughs> don't t- don't tell that to Quebec people because okay. they, they, I guarantee you, they haven't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have not forgotten at all. Um, Honestly, that must have been the most heart-wrenching thing ever. A, A, the Quebec Nordiques leaving, and you don't have the two teams in uh, the province of Quebec. Not only Mm -hmm. that, but they moved to Denver, and the first year that they play in America as the Colorado Avalanche, they win the Stanley Cup. Honestly, like I can't even like imagine how these fans felt. Not even like the year after, or like two years later, like the the very first year. Actually, actually, all of Quebec felt it because uh, the Quebec Nordiques left Quebec City, went to Denver, and during that first season, Patrick Waugh was traded from Montreal to Colorado. So all of Quebec felt the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup, not just Quebec City, but... Um, Honestly, if you talk about that trade, like to somebody from like a Montreal fan, I think he will still cry. And how long was it? Like, 50, like 10 years ago? No, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I think the 20-year anniversary of the trade either passed or is coming. Yeah, like passed. Year, it was like passed. a couple of days ago, yeah. A couple of days ago. The 20-year anniversary of Patrick Waugh being embarrassed, left in the game to allow so many goals before being yanked. And uh, he made yep. that promise. You know, I'm never playing for you and this franchise again and mm-hmm. uh he went to colorado and wow he won a he won a the rest is history yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then yeah exactly right i mean he already made history twice 86 93 and then uh 96 and then won another cup in 2001 we won't talk about that because that was against uh the new jersey devils so i, I don't want to cry here 
So um, that's a little bit of uh, Patrick Kane talk. We do want to transition uh, from one superstar that's performing well to another superstar that is not performing well and his team, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, We're watching them right now, at least I'm watching them right now in uh, Mike Sullivan's first game, the head coach, the new head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins because Mike Johnston uh, was fired just a few days ago. The Pittsburgh Penguins have been misfiring left right and center and the head and the general manager Jim Rutherford finally pulling the plug on uh Mike Johnston he was fired a few days ago a couple of staff of assistant coaches were let go Rick Tockett stays uh Mike Sullivan moves up from the minor league system Wilkes-Barre Scranton where he did such a great job or at least was doing a good job so far uh with the Penguins in Wilkes-Barre Scranton moving up to the big leagues and coaching the uh Pittsburgh Penguins as I said we're watching them right now now they're down two to one to the Washington Capitals in the first game in the Mike Sullivan era. And there have been so many problems for the Penguins. And we wrote about it on our season preview. We wrote about a lot of things. Well, we wrote about every single team, obviously, in our <laughs> season preview. But the thing that you hit on more, because you wrote about the Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, I was able to contribute a little bit, was, were a couple of things. Um, the line combinations and the potential of either greatness from the line combinations or just mass confusion. Um, and we also talked about the defense pairings for the Pittsburgh Penguins because last year, due to injuries and also uh, disappointing play, uh, the end of the season, Pittsburgh's defense was a liability. It was not good. And it really hasn't been good this year. And then I'm talking about, I mentioned Sidney Crosby, a superstar. He is not even on pace to score 20 goals. He has six goals in 28 games this season. Not even a 20-goal pace. The power play, you think of Evgeny Malkin, you think of Sidney Crosby, the power play ranks 27th in the National Hockey League. And uh, Jim Rutherford, uh, the general manager, he made it clear that Mike Sullivan will probably get more of a response from the players than Mike Johnston, I guess, uh, the Penguins, uh, it looks as if the Penguins tuned out Mike Johnston. It's going to be hard to, to do like less than they did with Mike Johnston, though. <laughs> it's going to be hard to beat, but yeah. I, I mean, what 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 is the biggest problem, do you think, with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins or problems? You know, they have a lacking power play. Defense is far from dynamic. Uh, the line changes and combinations just aren't working. You know, what... I mean, if you could put your finger on one of those, what do you think is the biggest problem? Oh, and the boy. funny thing is, and, and you know what the funny thing is? It's not Mark andre Fleury. Yeah, po- poor guy. <laughs> For once, it's not him. But yeah, no, I mean, like you said, like the line combinations, there was, it was going to be or like good, like okay, average, or mass confusion. And it's obviously mass confusion. Uh, Sidney Crosby not working, it's obviously just not normal. Uh, he had several winger, like wingers in his career, and now it seems like it's just not working with anybody. Um, he will like well, like we saw like a couple of days ago, Pascal Dupuis had to retire, which was his good friend and one of the wingers that had like the most constant success with him. Obviously, before he had his uh, biggest injury with like blood, blood clots yeah, blood problems. Clots, yes. um, but yeah, I mean it's. 
like we've heard like just recently i think just today i read that uh, there were rumors of turmoil between malkin and crosby uh, as reported by ron mcclain from hockey night in canada but also before that we had rumors but between crosby and mario lemur which is the owner honestly i can't see anything of that being true or at least being like the the reason of this like massive uh, problem like the score for sydney crosby i mean these guys are professionals i don't think a player of the quality of Sidney Sydney Crosby would let himself get distracted by that, that type of things. I mean, there's probably, uh, I don't know, stuff we don't know, whether it's with, between Crosby and his teammates or within uh, maybe even his own family. Like, we never know what happens off the ice. Uh, maybe everything is going well off the ice and he's just having a very bad season. I mean, it's it's blown out of proportions because obviously it's shocking. It's Sidney Crosby. It never happened. It's his worst career, like worst beginning of season, like in his career. But I mean, it happens. It sucks, but it does happen. And I can't, I really can't see it lasting forever. Just, I mean, I don't know whether it's, I think he'll have to like answer the questions by himself. It's not going to be because of a, a problem with the teammate, a problem with the owner, a problem with the coach. I think it's just within him. Maybe he lo lo lost his trust. And I think it's like you have to have confidence in yourself when you're a, an athlete in general. When you lose that, you can be Sidney Crosby, you can be Wayne Gretzky. It doesn't matter. If you lose like the, that confidence in yourself, well, you're just not going to make the right plays at the right time. And you're just never going to score a goal again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you make a really good point. Regardless of who you are and what name you carry and what accomplishments you have achieved, up until a certain point, that doesn't mean you can never have a crisis of confidence. Oh, yeah, it, totally. It can happen. And I think you make a really good point. And I think more than anything, it might be confidence uh, with Sidney Crosby. And, yes, as Sidney Crosby goes, you would think that's how the Pittsburgh Penguins go uh, mm -hmm. as well. And the Penguins are just what? They are one hot streak away, four games in a row, or four out of five. They're just that one streak away from really get, getting back into this. They're only one point out of the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference that belongs yeah. to uh, the New Jersey. Jersey Devils right now the Penguins have a couple of games in hand although one of those games uh, they are losing right now two to one uh, at the end of the first period against the uh, Washington Capitals the team that leads uh, the Metropolitan Division but the Penguins they're just that one streak away I don't think they're going to really get more from their defensemen than they're getting mm -hmm. right now I, you know, um, yeah and also like Chris Letang <laughs> just today news dropped that it was like well actually it's still a report but uh, we knew he was going to be like Uh, on the shelf for like an indetermined period of time. But now uh, the reports are that it's going to be two weeks, which wasn't uh, the plan, like uh, which wasn't it like at the beginning. We thought it, he, it was going to take like a lot la less long. But yeah, it's so it's not getting better for Chris Latin, who struggled with several <laughs> Yes. I think he had yeah. like every injury possible. Every, like an athlete yeah, from concussion to yeah, yeah. everything. You know, uh, you know, we yeah. thought his career was, um, uh, you know, at risk, and it was. Um, and you know, yeah. he's 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 gone through, you know, as they say in America, hell and back, uh, mm -hmm. Christopher Latong. And um, if he can come back and boost that defense even a little bit, and we know how talented uh, Chris is on the back line, just boost that defense a little bit. Not, as I said, they're going to get more when Chris, uh, when Chris comes back. 
How much more? Not too much more. Yeah. Uh, but at it's the really same- the offense. I mean, like you said, how can you be like if you're 27th in the league and you have all that like quality all that players the team, it means that something's just not going if well. Something's not going well. Something's not clicking, and they just needed to click. I think even for just a four, five game span yeah absolutely and you know sometimes like people could say well yeah some some of the greatest teams that uh, like went uh, really far in the playoffs or whatever had like shitty power plays but yeah but that that's because maybe they could score five on five and they didn't need that like extra uh, offense on the power play but that like the penguins don't have offense at all right now so yeah they could use the power play offense a little more. Um, <laughs> they can draw some more penalties as well. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah so, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they can draw some more penalties. You know, they can be much more of a force on offense, which if mm-hmm. they don't score goals, they can at least force the opposition uh, to commit some penalties. And then after that, let that power play, uh, which is 27th in the league, go to work. Although, again, if you're an opponent of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and they're on the power play as of right now, there really isn't that much fear that the Penguins are really instilling in you because their power play with all the names, the Malkins, the Kessels, the Crosbys, um, it, it just is not firing right now. So um, and maybe it, it's just maybe it's not going to work. Maybe maybe this year they won't make the playoffs. And I mean, maybe that's what they need too. maybe they need to like make a couple of changes or they need to be the Boston just, Bruins of last year. <laughs> maybe. But the, uh, like hopefully for them, they won't draft as bad. But it. That's another uh, story, but um, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, maybe that's what they need. They, they, they won't, if, if it doesn't work, I mean, no need to like push like to make it to the playoffs and then humiliate yourself. Like, I don't know, uh, be like uh, 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 swept by like, I don't know, the Rangers in the first round and then, oh, okay, well, that didn't, <laughs> that didn't go very well. That didn't. So you know? it would be better. If if given the two choices of not making the playoffs, maybe getting a better uh, position in the draft, or making the playoffs and do what they did last year, go down in five games to the New York Rangers, of those two, if those were the two choices, we're ruling out the fact that either they are really bad or we're ruling out the fact that they make a run to like the Eastern Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Of those two, not make the playoffs, better draft pick, or make the playoffs and go away quietly in the first round. You would rather choose a don't make the playoffs if you had of those two. Well, I mean, if like I don't if they don't get better, like let's say in the next month. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be what? It's gonna be like Jan- end of January, whatever. Like if you're not good at the uh, like uh, I don't know All Star Weekend. Yeah. Put, Except if you're like the Ottawa Senators, it's not it's not going to work. You know? Yeah, unless you're the Ottawa Senators who literally <laughs> won what every single game except for one yeah. with the Hamburg. But still, what did it like? They still got like out by the Habs in six games. True, well, but they still lost. In well, the first but round. at the very least, all of their young players yeah, uh, got to really click. They got the experience. They clicked late. Yeah. Um, and but I think even that's though, just not what the Penguins need, you know? They're not young. They're not Well, some of them are, but I mean, they all have the experience. They're, young, they're just yeah. not as far away from a cup than the Senators are. You know, they have elements. Uh, obviously, they need to make them better, but it's not like a young team that still needs, you know, to draft well and to gain experience. They have all the experience they need. <laughs> they just need to gain that confidence back. They do, and when they gain that confidence back with the names that they have, including a Phil Kessel, we know his 
potential, but that potential actually has to show itself on the ice. We know what Boston had to go through. We know what Toronto had to go through. They did the same thing. The talent's there. The potential is there. Will the results be there? So uh, we'll see what happens with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They could turn it on, or they could be the Boston Bruins of last season. Essentially, (laughs) you're waiting for them to make that run, make that run, and it never happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they could the penguins could be the boston bruins uh of this year so wow that was a very productive first segment on even strength <laughs> it was so productive i didn't even mention the actual title of the first segment even strength <laughs> so that was that was very nice that was some solid 5 on 5 play emna it really was just <laughs> now very solid very solid are you more of a scoring forward like amaro lemieux or are you more like i don't know uh brendan morrow or or Guy Carbonu, are you more of a defensive type of forward? If you had the, I think like in my in my biggest dreams, I would be like the first the the first line center, first line center, huh? (laughs) But that I would be like so good, like back like back checking too. Like I I would be like the whole package in my in my greatest dreams. But so so you be a Pavel Datsuk, so that ends the argument. Yeah, Hold yeah, on, wait, wait. That's your cat. That would be good. You were born and raised in Montreal. You ended up loving hockey, but you don't know how to skate. Well, no, I do. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I um, subscribed to like a hockey local team when I was seventeen, yeah. and uh, seventeen isn't really the age that people usually start to skate in yes. Canada. But that was my my uh, my situation. So. So yeah, nice. so I learned to skate at 17. Um, but uh, at 17, your hockey coach doesn't like show you how to like uh, break or how to turn or how to whatever, <laughs> how to pivot. So I had to learn on my own. So actually, yeah, I know how to skate. I know oh, how to okay. break on just one side. Uh, if I need to break on the other side, I would probably uh, land on my face first on the ice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so yeah. I'm not a very good ambassador of uh, Canadians, uh, Canadian hockey. <laughs> you are, but just not in terms of actually on the ice and skating, yeah, yeah. and you know, you know, yeah. essentially being born with skates on. So instead of booties, you had skates when you were like a couple of years old. But that wasn't yeah. the case with you. But nope. you skate so much better than I do. I've skated <laughs> twice in my life. One time <laughs> okay, was in yeah. college. And I fell and broke my watch. Okay, like oh, my favorite oh, watch. Yeah. Okay, so that, yeah, so no, not at all. <laughs> well, it wasn't good, but it was definitely memorable. Okay, yeah, that's true. You're you're gonna remember it for a long time. <laughs> you're, exactly, especially uh, if that the watch was expensive. Anyway. Uh, the, you know what? Let's not go down memory lane. <laughs> all right, but um, again, that was a very productive first segment. Penguins and Blackhawks will talk more about many other teams in the National Hockey League on our third segment when we go on the power play and then eventually ice the puck to end our show. But we're getting ready to go into our intermission right now. And so for the intermission, we are going to feature someone who has ties to the National Hockey League or another professional hockey league or maybe even some one from the junior levels and our first guest on our first intermission is someone that we dreamed of essentially or could have dreamt of and our dreams actually came true hockey hall of famer 
and four-time Stanley Cup champion Dennis Potvan joins us. He is the television color commentator for the Florida Panthers. So Emna and myself talked about the Florida Panthers with Dennis Potvan on Tuesday. The Florida Panthers take on the New York Islanders, and Dennis Potvan will go back to the home that he had for so many years in New York City, but a different home for the New York Islanders. The first time he's visiting the Barclays Center, of course, the Islanders' first year in the Barclays Center for so many years. They're at the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, and for so many years, Dennis Potvin was one of the game's best players at the Nassau Coliseum. So, And it's also a bilingual interview as well. So I asked questions to uh, Mr. Potvan in English, and my friend and partner Emna Ashur asked questions to Mr. Potvan in French. And it was a pretty fun interview. Emna, you would agree that was a pretty good interview, right? Oh yeah, he was like the perfect guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was. So stay tuned for the interview with Dennis Potvan in just a couple of minutes. We will see you on the Power Play, our third segment on the Neutral Zone. And again, you are listening to the first Neutral Zone on a lot of sports talk. The Florida Panthers are one of the young and dynamic teams in the National Hockey League. They were one of the hottest teams at the end of the 2014-2015 season, just missing out on a playoff spot, and they are in the thick of the Eastern Conference playoff race at the very beginning of this 2015-2016 NHL season. And Broward County just extended its lease on the arena that the Florida Panthers played in, so the Florida Panthers will be in the Sunshine State for the foreseeable future. And joining us right now on the intermission on the neutral zone is a person who has been with the Florida Panthers for a very long time as the television color commentator. His name is Dennis Potvan. He is also a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame as well. Dennis, uh, thank you so very much for joining us. And uh, this is your second stint as the television color commentator for the Florida Panthers. My question to you is, how do you leave the Florida sunshine the first time most people go down to the sunshine state and they never leave okay so how are you enjoying your uh, second time down in southern florida well you know uh, life uh, presents you with a lot of different uh, i guess challenges at time and uh, there was a four-year period where i uh, came to canada went back to my hometown which is ottawa uh, ontario canada and uh, worked for sportsnet uh, in Canada, and uh, followed the Ottawa Senators. Uh, it was a great time, and it was a wonderful opportunity for me to uh, get work done back in Ottawa. Um, and then uh, after that contract was over, the Florida Panthers uh, came back and uh, asked uh, that I would come and join them again under new ownership and uh, new leadership, and I thought, what a great opportunity to get back to Florida, where I had been since 1993. Uh, did you find everything uh, where you left it? Uh, is the home the same, or is it different uh, your second time around? Well, no, that's one of the good things. Uh, we had always kept our residence in Florida, and uh, we have our kids in Florida as well. They're a little older now, but uh, so it was a very, very easy uh, transition. As a matter of fact, it was an easy transition both ways, but uh, my wife, Valerie, and I are, are thrilled to be back in Florida and certainly hope that this time we're not going to be moving anywhere. Yes. Um, how's your tan right now? <laughs> 
Well, I don't have that kind of skin that can afford to go out and lay out in the beach. Yes. Uh, I am a fisherman. I like to be out uh, on the boat, and uh, obviously uh, that is also a time where I, I cover my face and make sure that uh, the sun doesn't do any uh, damage uh, to my very sensitive skin, uh, one might say, so... No, I'm just fine, and I am not. Uh, I'm not tanned, really. <laughs> uh, we will go from the liquid water to the ice and talk about the Florida Panthers and talk about one of the most dynamic players uh, the game of hockey has ever seen in Yarmir Yager, 43 years young and doing so well. Uh, when you watch Yarmir Yager perform, what? Uh, I mean, he is such a marvel, obviously. But what sticks out to you when you watch Yarmir? Yager and the way he plays the game that really makes you say how is this guy how is this great player still doing it at his age well I, I've known uh, Yarmir Yager since he first came in the National Hockey League in uh, I believe it was 1990 yes uh, so I don't have to ask for a birth certificate <laughs> otherwise I certainly would uh, at three years old uh, he is uh, just being in the game and uh, over and above that, leading the Florida Panthers in scoring at this moment is quite an incredible feat. But uh, when you watch him play and you watch him, more importantly, uh, practice and the way he handles himself away from the rink, you can, you can better understand uh, why he can do it. And it's an incredible discipline to physical conditioning and to working out and to getting ready for the grueling pace of the NHL today, and uh, that is how he's able to do it. But uh, irrespective of that, he's still incredibly special in that uh, not very many people through the ages have been able to play this long. One other thing, you mentioned that you got to know him, uh, uh, know about him when he was first entering the league in 1990, and you had just uh, uh, retired from the National Hockey League. Did you end up skating against him in either international play, or had you either seen him play or played against him before he made his debut in 1990? Um, gladly, no. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know that I've ever played against a guy, you know, of that size. I mean, he does go at like 235, 240 pounds. It's amazing. And uh, the players today are bigger, but still, very few players in the league will match his size and strength. So, no, I retired in 1988, and uh, my international hockey competitions were in the 80s early 80s and uh, mid-70s, so no, I was not uh, I was not privileged to play against them. Go ahead, Emma. Encore une fois, merci beaucoup, Denis Potvin, d'être avec nous aujourd'hui, d'avoir accepté de nous accorder une entrevue bilingue, on l'appelle, donc pour la portion en français euh, de l'entrevue. Bon, donc on vient de parler de Yager, de la crédibilité qu'il a semblé amener à cette ville-là et à cette équipe-là auprès des partisans, surtout. Mais il faut pas oublier qu'Yager avait dit lui-même, quand il est arrivé avec les Panthers, que c'était d'abord grâce aux jeunes de l'équipe euh, qui avaient connu ce bon ce regain de vie-là, de, de jeunesse. Puis euh, bon, il mène actuellement l'équipe avec 21 points en 28 matchs, mais si je peux si je peux me permettre, entre lui et le groupe de jeunes qu'il y a dans cette équipe-là, comme les Aaron Ekblad, Alexander Barkov, Nick Bustad, Jonathan Huberdo, c'est quand même le noyau de jeunes dans lequel réside la clé du succès des Panthers à long terme, du moins. Est-ce que je me trompe? Non, c'est certainement euh, le moyen que les Panthers veulent devenir une équipe gagnante, qui peut jouer dans les séries chaque année. Euh, comme toutes les équipes, on a vu euh, 
des années d'avant, soit à Los Angeles, Chicago, toutes les équipes qui ont beaucoup de succès, on peut vraiment regarder euh, le groupe de jeunes avec qui on construit leur équipe. Euh, c'est bien possible euh, qu'une fois que les Panthers commencent à gagner, peut-être même euh, faire compétition pour la Coupe Stanley, euh, Yaga ne sera pas là. Il y a probablement plusieurs joueurs des Panthers aujourd'hui. Parce que comme vous avez mentionné, euh, vraiment, le, euh, comme ils disent en anglais, le corps, euh, le, le, le noyau de, de, de l'équipe des Panthers, c'est vraiment des jeunes euh, comme Huberto, euh, 21 ans, Barcaf, 20 ans, Ekblad, encore 19 ans. Euh, alors, c'est seulement euh, la progression de l'équipe en fait de maturité, expérience et tout ça qui euh, fait qu'ils deviennent euh, l'équipe championne. Puis pour les Saint-Denis, c'est certain que ça va prendre encore un peu de temps. Mm -hmm. Puis justement, la semaine dernière, le, le, le directeur général, Dale Talon, a dit quelque chose à propos de ça qui m'a fait réfléchir un petit peu. Euh, il a déclaré sur les ondes de Fox Sports Florida que, bon, quand le marché des transactions allait s'ouvrir, euh, il fallait prévoir que les Panthers allaient être comme agressifs, là, allaient être des acheteurs, comme on dit. Mais est-ce que le prix, parce qu'il voulait, c'est ça, parce qu'il a dit qu'il voulait mettre la main sur un buteur, un, un marqueur de but là, qui allait faire une différence. Mais est-ce que le prix à payer pour aller chercher un joueur comme ça, c'est pas justement de sacrifier peut-être quelques jeunes, parce qu'il y en a plusieurs qui, bon, qui, 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 font, qui font bien là, dans l'équipe, euh, puis est-ce que ça vaut la peine de sacrifier cette jeunesse-là pour un joueur qui va peut-être être de location, peut-être à plus long terme, on ne sait pas. Euh, pour le moment, moi, euh, comme euh, je ne je suis pas dans les conversations avec Gabriel Talent et les autres directeurs gérants, mm -hmm. euh, comme il a bien mentionné, euh, pour le moment, l'équipe des Panthers sont en bonne position pour faire les séries cette année. Et il ne faut pas attendre trop longtemps. Ça fait six mmh. ans que Talan a commencé à reconstruire l'équipe des Panthers. En faisant ça et en disant ça, lui a été chercher beaucoup, beaucoup de jeunes joueurs. Et l'idée, c'est d'avoir euh, beaucoup de jeunes à qui tu peux, euh, avec qui tu peux faire des échanges. Parce que, comme on a vu euh, dans plusieurs, euh, plusieurs des échanges, je veux dire, les Islanders de New York, quand ils ont été chercher Boychuk et l'aider, euh, deux bons défenseurs avec de l'expérience, avec des coupes Stanley d'expérience, euh, il a fallu donner beaucoup de bons jeunes joueurs et des choix de pêchage. Alors, c'est certain que les Panthers sont prêts à faire la même façon parce qu'il y en a plusieurs de bons joueurs qui peuvent échanger dans le moment pour le joueur que M. Talent pense pourrait nous aider en fait de comptable. C'est ça, parce qu'ils sentent qu'ils sont prêts, ils seront, ils sentent pas qu'ils ouais. qu brûleraient les étapes en faisant ça, là. Les, les Panthers sont prêts à faire ce mouvement-là. Pour regarder la Ligue nationale dans le moment, si euh, par hasard, euh, on est une équipe comme euh, les équipes qui ont beaucoup de problèmes, dans le moment, comme Caroline et tout ça, les, les équipes qui sont vraiment même pas en position de faire les séries cette année, bien là, on parle euh, souvent de, de changer Eric Starr, euh, des, des, des grands athlètes là, pour les mm -hmm. équipes vraiment recommencer. Je pense que les Panthers ne sont pas dans une situation à recommencer ils sont tout simplement dans une situation pour ajouter. Puis c'est certain qu'il va avoir un contact parce que les, 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 les Panthers, c'est une bonne équipe, ils jouent bien défensivement avec Roberto Luangu d'un filet. Mais les dernières cinq victoires des Panthers, euh, ils ont gagné parce qu'ils ont accordé seulement un but à l'opposition. Mm -hmm. Alors, gagner des matchs 2-1, ça ne dure pas tout le temps. Si l'autre équipe compte des buts, les Panthers ne gagnent pas, comme on a vu à Boston euh, dernièrement. Alors, c'est pour ça que les Panthers veulent éviter quelqu'un qui peut marquer. 
exactement. Puis une petite dernière question en français. Bon, malheureusement, on peut pas passer à côté. Ça fait le tour de la Ligue nationale quand on voit que, encore une fois, cette saison, malheureusement, les, les Panthers figurent parmi les pires équipes de la Ligue au chapitre de l'assistance moyenne. Bon, qu'est-ce que l'équipe, qu'est-ce que les Panthers doivent faire pour attirer plus de partisans? On l'a vu. Comme vous dites, il y a une bonne équipe, un bon, un bon avenir devant eux, un des joueurs les plus spectaculaires. Est-ce que est-ce que c'est l'emplacement de l'arena qui nuit un peu parce qu'on sait que bon, il est un petit peu en retrait ou est-ce que c'est vraiment juste une question de bon pour que l'équipe si elle recommence à gagner de façon plus constante comme ça a été le cas pour plusieurs équipes, ben là les partisans vont commencer à, à venir plus régulièrement à l'arena. Ben, c'est une bonne question parce que c'est vraiment de quoi que les Panthers et surtout euh, les nouveaux propriétaires euh, ont trouvé un désastre vraiment quand ils ont acheté l'équipe en fait de l'organisation qui était là, une organisation qui donnait euh, euh, plus de 5000 billets gratuits à des partisans pour le match. Alors une fois que ça s'est fait, tout le monde commence à penser qu'ils peuvent aller voir des matchs de la Ligue nationale euh, gratuits. J'imagine à Montréal ou à Toronto, qui <rire> commencent à dire écoute, on ne veut pas payer, mais on va aller voir les matchs. Alors ça, c'est vraiment une organisation professionnelle. Oui, c'est certain. Il y a des soirées où on a eu, l'an dernier surtout, 7 ou 8 000 personnes dans euh, les estrades, mais chacun avait payé. Alors, c'est vraiment une entreprise. Il faut toujours penser que euh, les Panthers, comme toutes les autres équipes dans le national, ils veulent essayer de au moins faire un petit profit. Puis, cette année-là, on voit des foules de 11, 12 et 13 000, qui est encore pas le, le normal dans le national, mais c'est beaucoup mieux, même peut-être deux fois mieux que ce l'était l'an dernier. Alors, c'est ça, déjà une grande amélioration, oui. Oui, ben, c'est ça exactement ce que je veux dire. Puis, je pense que tout le monde au, euh, au Canada et aux États-Unis ont vu qu'est-ce que euh, le conseil de Broward Canté a faire aux Panthers. Alors, c'est une relève de 86 millions. C'est de l'argent qui va aller directement dans le sport et dans l'aréna pour... Euh, améliorer euh, le site de BBNP et ensuite aussi peut-être permettre aux Panthers vraiment d'aller chercher des joueurs de hockey où des fois il faut payer un peu, là, comme on le sait, déjà ça coûte cher. <rire> Alors, une relève euh, du conseil de Broward et avec euh, les, nouvelles, euh, les nouveaux propriétaires, je pense que les Panthers sont vraiment en bonne direction pour euh, faire un succès, non seulement sur la glace, mais encore avec les partisans de hockey en Floride. On vous le souhaite, en tout cas. Merci. Once again, uh, Dennis Potvin joining us. And uh, Dennis, thank you so very much for being so nice to my co-host, Emna, even though she is a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan. I really thank <laughs> you for being so nice with her. And uh, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, the Florida Panthers uh, next game, as of this broadcast, happens to be on Tuesday and happens to be in New York against the New York Islanders. And, of course, uh, you are such an amazing player with the New York Islanders, a part of four uh, Stanley Cup championships, and you played all of those games, at least all of those home games, at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, or Fort Never Lose, as uh, so many uh, fans called it uh, back then. Of course, the Islanders now are... Uh, 
at the Barclays Center in their first season in their uh, new home. Uh, coming to New York, and you're in New York right now, first of all, what are the emotions um, that go through your mind when you head back to New York and knowing you're getting ready to uh, be at the home of the Islanders? And what do you think your emotions are going to be watching your team play in an in a different arena, not the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. What are your emotions coming back to New York, seeing the Islanders, and seeing the Islanders in a new building? Well, um, actually, I, I'm, I've been a lover of New York for many years. I mean, I spent uh, about 25 years of my life in New York playing and working after I finished playing hockey. So that that being said, it's always a great pleasure for me to come back to New York. Uh, I always loved Long Island. And uh, really felt blessed to have had a career all in Long Island, a great place to live and play. Uh, the only word I would strike from your comments is going to the Barclays Center does not feel like going home. Mm-hmm. Home was Nassau Coliseum, Mitchell Field, Uniondale. It was the, uh, the Long Island uh, Railroad. It was the Southern Parkway, uh, Northern Parkway, and you know everything associated uh, with Long Island. So this will be a little bit different, but I must tell you, I, I'm, I feel a little anxious about going to Brooklyn uh, to watch, uh, you know, my old team of uh, the New York Islanders play and calling Brooklyn their home. But uh, it's an adjustment. I understand the business of it, and uh, like I said uh, before, it, it will be an adaptation that uh, I will have, just like everybody else has had. So over and above everything, I am still focused on the Florida Panthers winning the hockey game. Mm-hmm. That's be the most important thing. So, so many people who come to New York either embrace New York or they run away from New York because it's so overwhelming. But you love all the parts of New York, at least Long Island. So you embrace New York and the New York lifestyle. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if uh, living in in Manhattan uh, could be feasible for me and my family, but we certainly don't. Uh, don't uh, overlook any opportunity to come and visit Manhattan and Long Island. And my brother, Jean, who uh, also was a former Islander, as long as with, I, with myself, uh, is still living uh, in Long Island. And uh, so there's always plenty of opportunity for me to go back. And as a matter of fact, last night I had dinner with two of my very good friends who are also Long Islanders. So the... Uh, the link, the link is not broken. <laughs> not at all. It, it's so great to hear about these family ties, whether it's actual family, blood family, or the Long Island, New York Islanders family as well. It's always uh, great to hear that. Dennis Potvan, Hockey Hall of Famer and television commentator for the Florida Panthers. Thank you so very much for taking out the time to talk with us and in uh, two languages as well. Uh, best of luck and success. To, to your broadcast career and going forward. Uh, merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup, oui. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone on a lot of sports talk. And it was such a pleasure to have Dennis Potvan on our air and on this podcast. And such an insightful interview. And you know what, Emna? I was really scared, actually, getting ready to do this bilingual interview. I wasn't sure how smooth this interview was going to go. Not only did it go very smoothly, at least in my opinion, uh, we talked with just an amazing person, a very nice guy. Oh, and it just so happens that he's one of the best players to ever lace up the skates. <laughs> it was awesome talking with him. 
Yeah, not bad, not bad. <laughs> yeah, he was he was so generous, uh, so uh, like his answers was, were so clever. You know how it could be easy. Uh, you know, it's it's a cliche, but the hockey like the players usually answer in cliches. <laughs> uh, so, but he, that was like he did none of that. He answered in a way that I wasn't even expecting. Uh, he took us further. Uh, yeah, it was a really a perfect interview. And once again, you can click on the link on our page on a lot of sports talk to see the transcribed answers from French to English, at least for Emna's part of the interview uh, with uh, Dennis Potvan. And one of the things that um, I got to see in your transcription, um, which I try to understand because I'm learning French, but I don't <laughs> understand French that well to have gotten it while you were uh, talking with him and asking him questions. Uh, with the Florida Panthers giving away tickets a few years back and making the analogy of, oh, what if they did that in Montreal or Toronto and fans expected, oh, you know, we don't want to pay for tickets, but we want to mm-hmm. see the games. Can you imagine that? In yeah, that Canada? would never work. <laughs> right, that would never work. Uh, yeah, so we're going to go on the power play, our next segment here on the Neutral Zone. And for two minutes or more, uh, both Emna and myself We'll just get one thing off our chest about the game of hockey and specifically the uh, National Hockey League as well. So just a couple of minutes to either rant, rave, or just talk about something uh, in the game of hockey that we want to talk about uninterrupted for two minutes or more. It might be more if I commit a penalty while she is on her two minutes and then I would give her a five on three and she'll uh, you know, talk <laughs> for four minutes. Maybe there'll be a double minor. Uh, but yes, so two minutes at least uh, talking about something uh, that on our chest and uh emna i will start with you what is on your mind as you go on the power play well obviously being from montreal and uh having covered the the montreal canadians for the past uh, three years i try to uh to to read and to listen as many radio shows and tv shows that i can about the haves um and let me say even if i am in norway so very far from uh, my native montreal uh, I could sense that in the city there was a, a sense of panic because uh, the Habs had lost uh, four straight games before their game on Saturday, their their win against the Ottawa Senators. But before that, yeah, four, four straight losses, which is chaos in Montreal. <laughs> if they had lost another one, I think we had we would have closed the city or whatever. Um, but yeah, they, and so they saw their once-so-comfortable lead uh, in the Atlantic Division shrink uh, over the Detroit Red Wings. So that wasn't going well. Obviously, they picked it up uh, in that win uh, against Ottawa. Uh, and yeah, even, if, uh, even with the injury to the best player of the team, Carey Price, the thing is, we couldn't just blame young goalies Mike Condon and Dustin Tokarski for that, which everybody pretty much was doing because people kept saying, well, the team is, Carey Price is the team, and if Carey Price isn't there, well... None of the other goalies could replace him, but that wasn't the case. The problem wasn't the goalies. The problem was the offense. Uh, Saturday against Ottawa was the first time the Canadians scored three goals or more since November 27th against the New Jersey Devils, which shows a lot of the offense problems they had. They they had uh, Max Pacioretty, the captain of the team. He put his money where his mouth is on Saturday, which he usually does, by scoring a goal and being named first star of the game. He was obviously unsatisfied with his play because he had long streaks without scoring or even having a point. 
Um, he did nothing when he was reunited with Alex Galchenyuk on the first line uh, for two games prior to Saturday um, because, obviously, coach Michel Therrien had to shuffle his lines. Uh, they did absolutely nothing together. So, like I said, like Max Pacioretty usually does after being critical of himself publicly, he assessed the problem right away. So, one game later, uh, the Habs actually had 27 shots on net in the first period alone against Ottawa Saturday, 31 shots total. Uh, and Pacioretty finished the night with eight on his own. And you know what? When Pacioretty has, I don't know, let's say more, more than five or six shots a game, the Habs don't lose that often. So I think they found a pretty easy solution to their offense problem. Shoot the puck. Um, Tori Mitchell will be back. Tori Mitchell uh, missed the last 11 games. He should be back when the Habs take on the San Jose Sharks uh, this Tuesday. And he was like kind of the glue of that bottom six uh, in the team at the beginning of the season. And his presence and experience uh, should help. Also, the kids are doing well. All the kids that they called up because of the injuries. I'm talking about the Sven Andreghettos, the uh, the Charles Houdon, uh, Quebecer who made his debut in the NHL last game. Um, so yeah, so the once uh, sense of panic should have dropped now just because of one win. That's how it uh, works in Montreal. <laughs> they just need one win, and uh, everybody starts to breathe again. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they'll pick it up and. Uh, if Max Pacioretty plays well, as Pacioretty goes, Montreal goes. So we'll see how that goes. Well, thank you very much. Hmm, losing four games in a row causes chaos and panic in Montreal. I'm surprised at that. Two games in a row could cause chaos. <laughs> then, yeah, and especially if you win, like, I don't know how many games they won at the beginning of the season. People had already bought, like, their like patio, like, uh, patio chairs for the parade this summer, so <laughs> you can't you can't lose four games after that in a row. <laughs> so they were buying their Stanley Cup tickets, and it was just a oh, yeah. little bit uh, too premature. But uh, no, thank you so very much for that take on your favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens. And I guess I should now that I'm on the power play talk about my favorite team, which is the New Jersey Devils, and you mentioned that game back on November 27th against the New Jersey Devils, the last time before Saturday when the Montreal Canadiens got to three goals in a game, and I thought about it, and the New Jersey Devils are one of the surprise teams in the uh, National Hockey League, but I said, wow, that's actually too easy. What I want to talk to you about is the team that you should root for when your favorite team is not playing. That is the same team that currently has a minus 25 goal differential right now. You heard me right. Minus 25 goal differential. They're also the same team that has a nine-game home winning streak and a five-game winning streak overall. Those are the Calgary Flames. And actually, I have to admit, I have to admit, the Devils are my love, and the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mario Lemieux was my first love. In between that time, I fell in love with Theo Fleury. I fell in love with Joe Neuendijk, Lanny McDonald, Lanny McDonald, excuse me, Joe Otto, Mike Vernon as well. The 1989 Calgary Flames, coached by Terry Crisp, 
definitely captured my imagination and yes they captured my imagination in 1989 as a kid born and raised in brooklyn new york watching a stanley cup final first of all watching hockey period in new york city in the 80s not the rangers and second of all watching two canadian teams duke it out for the stanley cup in 1989 the canadians and the uh, calgary flames but big calgary flames fan and we, know, we all know what happened last year with the Calgary Flames. They made the playoffs. They won a series in the playoffs against the Vancouver Canucks. They were admirable when they lost to the Anaheim Ducks, the best team in the Western Conference last year in their series loss after they defeated the Vancouver Canucks. And part of the reason why you should root for the Calgary Flames is because they, every single day, for the most part, defy Logic. Last year, the possession numbers were skewed towards the opponent. The Corsi numbers were skewed towards the opponents compared to the Calgary Flames. This team, if you looked at statistics, should not only have not made the playoffs, but should have been one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. But somehow, Goudreau, Monaghan, Colburn, all those players for the Calgary Flames made it work made it happen. The Carrie Ramos, the Jonas Hillers, they all made it happen. And it looks as if it is happening again. They had a poor start to the season. We all know that. And that's when we all thought that last season was an absolute fluke and that the Calgary Flames would be what we all thought they were going to be at the beginning of last season. Terrible. And they were terrible. But now look, they've won five games in a row. They've won nine games at home. And if you think that they have been beating the Columbus Blue Jackets nine times during their win streak, let me tell you the games that they have won on this nine-game winning streak. Flyers, okay, fine. But then, Penguins, Devils, Blackhawks, Stars, Bruins, San Jose Sharks, Buffalo Sabres, and they just beat the New York Rangers in overtime to extend their winning streak to nine games. They have great talent. I'd even mention Mark Giordano, the captain, TJ Brody, a very nice guy who we got to talk to last season as well for a lot of sports talk. They're young, they're hungry, they're exciting, and we have no freaking idea how these guys continue to win. We have no idea because the stats say they should lose and that they should lose five to one. But they continue to win, at least right now, in the month of December, going back to late November. They are one of the most exciting teams in the National Hockey League. They came back and won against the Dallas Stars. They came. They actually blew a 4-1 lead to the New York Rangers before TJ Brody scored the overtime goal to win. They are the cardiac kids of the National Hockey League. They're the Calgary Flames. Yes, they're not in a playoff spot right now. Yes, they only have 28 points, but... Every time the Calgary Flames take the ice, they are must-see TV. And I will tune in the next time they have a game as well. They're playing the Predators. I'll be tuned in. Actually, no, I won't be tuned in. I'll be actually downloading an illegal stream to watch the Calgary Flames online. But however you do it, watch the Calgary Flames. They're must-see TV. So that's me and the Flames, and I have no idea why (laughs) I have this... Attraction to the Calgary Flames. Can you, can, can, honestly, they're minus 25 on the season. 78 goals allowed, 100, no, sorry, 78 goals for, 
103 goals allowed, and yet they have a nine-game home winning streak and a five-game win streak overall. And I forgot the last reason, and and my power play is over, so I'm talking with you specifically, Emna. Um, the main reason why you should root for the Calgary Flames is the director of statistics and video analysis with the Calgary Flames is a guy I went to college with. And he really? was my resident advisor when I was a freshman <laughs> and he was a sophomore. Christopher Snow. Wow. He works cool. for the Calgary Flames front office. And that's he is such awesome. a really nice guy. He used to work for the Minnesota Wild as well and used to be a newspaper writer uh, at the Star Tribune in Minneapolis as well as the Boston Globe in Boston. So uh, Chris Snow, very good guy in the Calgary Flames front office. And he and I were the same floor in our dorm my freshman year of college at Syracuse <laughs> University. How is that? Uh, that that's just crazy. So that's cool. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? So uh so we both finish our power play and it's time now to uh, ice the puck. We're watching this game as we speak, or at least I'm watching this game as we speak, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins' first game in the uh, Mike Sullivan era against the Washington Capitals. The Capitals are now in first place in the Metropolitan Division. They've passed the New York Rangers, who have been atop of that division essentially all season long, but the Capitals have now passed uh, the New York Rangers. The Rangers have taken a slide. The Capitals uh, are surging. They uh, have three games in hand uh uh, with the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders as well, who are in second place in the Metropolitan. Uh, so Washington and Pittsburgh going on right now. As we speak, it's 2-1 to one Washington in the uh, second period. Uh, Washington, uh, they have made some moves. They got T.J. Oshie uh, from St. Louis. We know a couple of years back they got uh, Brooks Orpik, and uh, they've made some pretty positive moves. And we know the tortured history of the Washington Capitals when it comes to the playoffs, and specifically 3-1 series leads, okay, and of Alex Ovechkin isn't getting uh, any younger, but he's still playing um, at a very high level as well. With the Washington Capitals, they're playing well right now. This ha- we, we don't know what's going to happen right now with the Washington Capitals, but probably their best player even more so than Ovechkin, even more so than Backstrom, is Braden Holpe. He is really coming onto his yep. own right now. Would you put Braden Holpe now in the top shelf of goaltenders? You would put a Carey Price there for sure. You would put a Henrik Lundqvist. You would put a Pekka Rene probably up there, almost. Would you put Braden Holpe up there right now? Honestly, yeah. Like Carey Price is obviously like <laughs> coming off a pretty amazing uh unhuman season so maybe like not carry price like but really right and like right after that yeah you would find Braden Holby he's the one who carried the team I mean Ovechkin could score as many goals as he wants if he could go he could score eight goals a game if Braden Holby lets in nine well it's over you know so so yeah and I mean that's the thing with the Capitals, I wish them the best, obviously, and I think they've turned things around. I think they could like continue on this sequence and be a good team for like the whole season. But the thing is, we've seen that before. You know, yep. it's not the first time that the Capitals have a good team. Um, so I don't want to be like the one <laughs> to like to the, the downer on this one. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what they do in the playoffs. But yep. I think there's like still, like you said, there's a slight difference. They're a little better than the good teams they were 
in the past two, three, four years. Yes. Um, and they are, at least in my opinion, they are the uh, St. Louis Blues of the Eastern Conference. We know we're going to yep. we know what we're going to get from them in the regular season for the most part. And even Washington's doing a, a slightly better than we might have thought. But it's mm-hmm. all about the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs. And it almost yeah. and it does suck that we look at a team and say, you know what, whatever you do, these 82 games. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Awesome. But mm-hmm. show me what you can do in the playoffs, okay? And the Washington yeah. Capitals are uh, on that boat, but I'm sure a lot of teams would want to be on that boat where you know they're going to make the playoffs. You know more than likely they're going to get 100 points uh, on the season, but you have to wait until the playoffs to really judge them. Um, for example, the Calgary Flames, you couldn't, you know, if they made the playoffs last year, that was already a successful season before their yeah. first game in the playoffs against Vancouver. And then all of a sudden they won the series. So their pretty good season turned into an even better season, defeating the uh, uh, Vancouver Canucks in six games and then uh, playing Anaheim and seeing what they uh, uh, could do against the Ducks. So, uh, yep, we got to wait until the uh, postseason for Barry Trotz's boys. As, as of right now, they did just score, but the goal was disallowed as there was interference uh, with the goaltender, Justin Williams, running into Marc-Andre Fleury uh, right now. So um, I believe that's Justin Williams, right, the former king? Because I know there was a couple of Williams, all right, and I got him mixed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, <laughs> all right, so Justin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Williams, the former uh, Los Angeles King, interfered with Mark Andre Fleury before he backhanded one home. So the goal uh, disallowed, and it's under review right now. And I'm watching it, and it looked as if there was clear interference uh, with Justin Williams running into the left pad of Mark Andre Fleury before uh, he got a chance to. Uh, backhand the puck in so actually no review the face off in the neutral zone oh the neutral zone that's our show title okay so still two one capitals late in the second period against the uh, pittsburgh penguins that game at the console energy center in pittsburgh it is a big week this week for the montreal Canadiens. of course they did get back on track defeated the ottawa senators and this week On Thursday, they play the Los Angeles Kings, the leaders of the Pacific Division. And then on Saturday, they go on the road and take on the Dallas Stars, the leaders of the very tough Central Division. So this is a pretty big week uh, for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Could this be a week where they make a statement, especially without Carey Price? Okay, oh, yeah. facing I mean, the team. That's the, always yeah. the cliche. That would that's going to be a good test. I mean, obviously not the perfect test because, like you said, uh, we like people hope that Carey Price will be back one day. Um, but yeah, if they can score against those two big teams and you know limit the scoring chances of these two great offenses, um, I mean, it'll make like you said a big statement on the team. Yeah. Uh, how important are these two games? Is it just two games on the schedule and uh, you concern yourself more about each game coming up? Or do you really put more importance on these two games because these are the two leaders in the Western Conference? How important are these two games, Los Angeles followed by Dallas, to see how well, good this team is right now? Well, they're important, but I mean, it's still, you know, it's still December, so... I don't think the players will like put that much thought into it. You know, they they'll just want to beat a good team. But like you said, it's not the playoffs. It's not April. It's not 
even close, it's just gonna like like uh, get them to like know where they they're situated, like in yeah. the NHL, because they they're good in the East. Uh, even if like the four the four games they lost uh, recently, it wasn't against uh, the best teams in the league either. But uh, the best teams in the East uh, actually. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll get them to see like where they are compared to these uh, like really good teams in the league. And I think uh, maybe in a fan point of view, it's always interesting because it's teams that they don't get to see often. Uh, not only like when you go live to see a game at the Bell Center, but even on TV. I mean, it's not games that are super televised in Canada, so you won't get to see the Kings or the Stars a lot. Uh, so that should be interesting. I think it's very important, these two games. I know these are just two games, and I know each game individually is just one out of 82 games. But to have mm-hmm. the Kings, who have a couple of Stanley Cups in the past few years coming to uh, Montreal... And then after that, a couple of days later, going against probably the most dynamic team in the National Hockey League in the Dallas Stars with the young talent they have up front, the young talent they have on the blue line. I know the goalie situation's you know up and down with Lettinen and Miami. Uh, but uh, I think these are important games, especially given that Montreal has just come out of that slump, losing four games in a row. Then you beat Ottawa. If you lose to Los Angeles and then Dallas, all of a sudden you're talking about losing, what, six out of your last seven games. If yeah, you yeah in that sense, two. yeah, in that sense, yes, but I mean, it's still, then they're going to be able to, well, then it depends how they lose. If they lose 6-1, meh. If they lose 2-1 to one in overtime, it's a different story, you know? I don't, maybe but it's just guess, like, yeah. because I, I'm so used to going to, into, you know, dressing rooms and having that question asked to the players and they will all, like, obviously they won't say so <laughs> you're saying, really so you're saying that you have more of a player's mentality when thinking about this than maybe a media person, especially a media person in Montreal that may push the panic button immediately. You have more of the outlook of, hey, it's just a game. We played well. We may not have won, but it's on to the next game. That's your mentality. Well, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's really because it's December. It, it, even if they won seven to one against the, the let's say the Stars, it doesn't mean they're going to win the cup. You know, exactly. they they've won several times against the the Blackhawks these past years and like games and really made a statement and they were like convinced. Yeah, we can like we could play against these guys. Like even if they're the best team in the league and they won several Stanley Cups, but for me, it doesn't translate to anything. It, even more because Carey Price isn't there. Like, even if they lose 6-1, to one, I'll still have in the back of my mind, well, what would have happened if it was Carey Price, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I have, a, I have a hard time. But, yeah, but it's it's great that they play them now. You're, that, you're right about that. Uh, to make a statement like, we're, we're, not, we're not just going to win against the Senators. We're going to win against one of the best teams, well, two of the best teams in the league. If we can do that, then we have our confidence back, like, more... Uh, officially you know just not after one game but it could have been like two i don't know two other teams and if they had won the the next two games too their confidence would have been back i I just don't think players think that way you know okay well again i do think though that at least just to make sure that the montreal media stays off their back even just a little bit even though that sounds impossible get (laughs) one of these games okay if you lose to yeah. L.A. and you lose to Dallas, you've lost six out of seven, 
Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. So yeah. just get the media off your back, even though it's impossible in uh, Montreal for that to happen. Uh, so <laughs> that's the Montreal Canadiens' big week. The Washington Capitals are playing tonight. We're uh, on a Monday. On Friday, the Capitals will be back home against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they have been a team that has been very uneven uh, so far this season, although John Cooper, the head coach, got signed to a contract extension uh, just a few days ago. Ago, the Lightning, the Eastern Conference champions last year, and Steven Stamkos yet to be signed. That big drama right now about what's going to happen uh, with Steven Stamkos after this season. Uh, injuries have hit the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. The triplets line hasn't been together, and then they finally get together, and then there's another injury. Uh, so uh, Tampa Bay has just been hit with, I guess, the Stanley Cup losers curse because usually you worry about a stanley cup hangover or, or a championship hangover in other sports usually and i found this with the super bowl and it's also with the stanley cup as well usually the team that has the hangover is the team that loses the stanley cup and it looks like that's what's happening with the tampa bay lightning now do you think this steven stamko situation uh, with him in his last year of his contract, uh, is this? Are we making more of this than we should? Is this a really good Tampa team, or is there cause for more concern right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, it's still a great team because they didn't really change that many elements from the team that they were last year. And like you said, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I think I don't think that the Steven Stamkos situation is a distraction either. I just think I think Steven Stamkos is a distraction for himself. Like if obviously he thinks about his contract and he loses faith in like the organization or whatever towards him, um, yeah, maybe that'll affect his performances. But I think if the team's not working and the offense isn't working. It's just because it isn't clicking. It's again for me. It's all about confidence, and we. It's not a. It's not because of the coach. Obviously, they're never going to be able to uh, convince me at any time, even in that, the, even in ten years, that John Cooper is the problem for anybody. John Cooper is perfection, uh, so perfection. It'll, it'll never be. Honestly, he is the perfect coach. Did for, you get to opinion, talk with him, or you coach. just know about? Uh, uh, John, I think you were enamored with the way he talks and presents himself, presents himself and his law background. I think you were very impressed with Coach y- Cooper, Yes, right? and he has like such a different approach like with his players. Like he because he's not a hockey guy you know, it's just so different. He doesn't have like the uh, this, like he's not strict like a, you know, a peewee hockey coach that'll like always push the same like uh, nail. You oh, know? John Tortorella. Like, like... You mean John Tortorella? <laughs> yeah, for example. <laughs> okay. perhaps, yes, perhaps. yes, a strict um, coach, John but, Tortorella. Uh, but yes, he, he's so different. So yeah, obviously he's not the problem. They just signed him. Um, I don't think the players suddenly lost faith in their coach. I mean, after two months, you know, because they had such a long uh, spring. Uh, maybe they're tired. Maybe, you know, like you said, that's the hangover of the losers. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a matter of confidence and it's a matter of injuries to key players. And yeah, Stamkos isn't the Stamkos that we are used to. So that obviously doesn't help. Um, I think they'll make the playoffs anyway, maybe just not be very good at them, but 
or maybe they all didn't make the playoffs. I don't know. And, and so, maybe not a wild card. As long like as that. Tampa gets in, they should be fine. It's just making sure that they navigate through the rest of the next few months and get into the playoffs. Um, and then, yeah, but I'm, I mean, they, they would because they have all the elements to do something. You know, they, they, it's the same team as last year, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, they just need Stamkos to wake up a little bit <laughs> um, and the, the triplets to stay healthy. Yeah. That's not really, really their fault, but still. Um, and yeah, I, I think they'll get going. I mean, from, like, they were an excellent team last year. Obviously, nobody saw them in the final and they did make it. So why couldn't they like go far this year too? They just need to turn things around. But they have it in them, you know. They don't need to go get a big player uh, at, before the trade deadline. Well, obviously, if Stamkos leaves, <laughs> maybe they will have to. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's a matter of confidence, and for me, it's a matter of time for the Lightning to start getting going. Uh, the last game that we will focus on just a little bit before ending the show, that game, Tampa and Washington, is on Friday night. We'll go back one day on Thursday. The New York Rangers no longer atop uh, the Metropolitan Division. They take on the Minnesota Wild, who are in that tough Central Division and right in the mix as well. Uh, it looks like Devin Dubnik is not a one-year wonder um, as he's still performing fairly well, not to the level of the play that he had at the end of last season and going into the playoffs. Uh, The New York Rangers uh, got off to an amazing start, and they're sliding back a little bit uh, in the standings as well. Uh, I think, and there have been reports, and uh, some uh, reporters have talked about the lack of possession that the New York Rangers have had during these games recently, where they've lost a few more, where they've been outshot, where they're asking Henrik Lundqvist to do even more than he usually does, which is a whole lot. Uh, the defense needs to step up a little bit more, and uh, Rick Nash needs to step up as well. So uh, I'm not worried too much about the New York Rangers, at least in the past four or five years. Uh, the Rangers are right there. Uh, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, just just a few years ago, uh, but they've had heartbreaking uh, losses, uh, you know, to the Devils one year, and uh, they've had uh, uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year mm-hmm. as well, losing uh, Game Seven at home uh, with a chance to go to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals as well. So I'm not worried too much about the Rangers, as other people might be looking at some of the statistics. Um, I don't know if you want to focus a little bit more on the Rangers or Minnesota, whether the whether what's going on with the Rangers worries you or whether Minnesota staying with the Blackhawks and the uh, Nashville Predators and the Stars and the Blackhawks and Blues. <laughs> is that a little surprising to you, uh, Minnesota staying? Oh, yes, right it's surprising. Teams? I think because that that division is obviously like when the one of the best, if not the best of uh, of the league, because it's so competitive. Um, I don't think it's a surprise. I, for me, the Wild is like the feel-good team. Like, you can't really hate the Wild. Who hates Minnesota, you know? <laughs> no one. <laughs> uh, you know, and they, they just managed to, like, squeeze in the playoffs and then surprise a couple of teams, uh, if not eliminate them in the playoffs, maybe just take them to the sixth or seventh game, you know, like they did with Chicago when nobody saw them there. Mm-hmm. Um, or to when they match, beat Colorado like, a couple of years ago when Colorado yeah. won the division. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just they have they have good players. They have a good core. They The organization is really good. So, I mean, 
no, I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm actually really happy for them. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, oh, we'll get you a Minnesota Wild jersey. Then. <laughs> yay! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, for them too, it's about the playoffs. I mean, some some teams are just like that. They they're consistent. Uh, they're not the best uh, in the regular season. They make the playoffs. They challenge uh, the better teams. Uh, but as long as you like, if you don't beat them or be two or three of them, I mean, you're never going to be considered as, you know, a, like a f- eventual champion. So I think that's where they're at yeah. almost. Yeah. They need to just make a push in the playoffs and surprise a team and go like a little further. I think they have the elements to do it. Maybe they just lack that playoff experience you know yeah, it looks like the minnesota wild are that team they'll make the playoffs and give one team in the playoffs fits and, and yeah. or may beat them uh in mm-hmm. the playoffs and then uh head to the next round and usually that's uh their limit uh that second round of the playoffs but minnesota uh, with Mike Yo, they have been a very consistent team, and um, as I said, I will get you a jersey, and I'll get you <laughs> the uh, jersey of the player with the best name in hockey, or one of the best names in hockey, Nino Niederreiter. Okay, so I'll get you his jersey uh, for the Minnesota Wild. So uh, that is our first show. Oh my goodness, time just wow. flew, and now our show's over. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. So Emma, I can't thank you enough for Thanks joining me you. and being uh, my partner for uh, this great ride today. That w- it was awesome. I hope my English wasn't too bad. Uh, <laughs> I promise I'll get better at it. <laughs> but it's I... always a pleasure talking hockey with the other hockey fans. Thank you, and um, your English is just fine. Trust Thanks. me. Okay, <laughs> there will be people who have English as their native language, not talk better English than you right now on the show. I guarantee it. Okay. (laughs) So uh, that's the neutral zone episode number one. And again, stay tuned to a lot of sports talk and a lot of sports talk.com. Our latest podcast, our latest flagship podcast, the a lot of sports talk podcast will be released in a couple of days. We talk with the three Heisman Trophy finalists and one of our interviews in the podcast is with one of the players on the United States women's national hockey team, that being Kelly Stack of the Connecticut Whale of the National Women's Hockey League. We just got a chance to talk with her after her Connecticut Whale won another game in the National Women's Hockey League against the New York Riveters. Connecticut is a perfect 8-0 and this season, and on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, we got a chance to catch up with a two-time Olympic silver medalist and a three-time world champion Kelly Stack of the United States Women's National Hockey Team and with the Connecticut Whale. So that's on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast episode number 24. Hope you stay tuned for that. For my partner, Emna Ashur, I am Adashina Koiki. Thank you so very much for joining us and we will see you next time. Merci beaucoup. A bientôt.